The Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You ready? Here we go. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders with the integration of technology into instruction. In this episode of Tech It Up Talk, I have a very special guest today joining us to talk about brain-based practices and how we can leverage brain-based practices to enhance student learning and their performance in the classroom. And joining me today, I have Shirley Posey. She is the co-founder of NeuroAdvanced Academics Incorporated, which is an educational firm using neuroscience-based practices to enhance academic learning, and they also facilitate professional development for educators. Shirley has been an educator for 11 years, including her role as a college professor and as Johns Hopkins University CTY Sensory Brain Instructor. She has facilitated 11th grade biology at Imhotep Institute Charter High School since 2017, and is also the STEM planning coordinator. She earned her Master's in Biology from Clark Atlanta University and her Master's in Medical Science from Hampton University and is currently a doctoral student at Johns Hopkins University. She was named the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles and Exalta 2020 Teacher of the Year for the Tri-State for her contributions in STEM. She has been featured in TEDx Talks featured as a speaker at the Dana Foundation Brain Awareness Week along with other features in the Philadelphia Tribune, ABC Philadelphia, NBC Philadelphia, and the Liberty County Tribune. And I have the pleasure of having her here with me today on the Tech It Up Talk podcast to share her knowledge and her passion with us. So I'd like to give a warm welcome to my special guest today, Miss Shirley Posey. Hi, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's definitely a pleasure to have you here. And then just, just reading your bio and just thinking about like, wow, this is pretty exciting here. I got have a, a smart lady here on the Tech It Up Talk podcast is really going to kind of share uh, specific practices to really kind of help us as educators enhance our instructional practices in the classroom. And so I'm looking forward to your knowledge uh, that you're going to share with us today, specifically on brain-based practices. Yeah, I'm really excited to share um, some gems with um, everyone today. So I'm super excited. Thank you. And so the goal for this episode, of course, is to discuss us enhancing academic performance through brain-based practices and how we can leverage technology to reimagine learning with innovative instruction. And so I'm looking forward for your knowledge and expertise, and we're going to jump right in so that we can help other educators create meaningful learning environments that can make an impact on student performance. And so I'll just start with my first question asking, what are brain-based practices? So when we talk about learning or when we define the term learning, we're looking at the ability to acquire knowledge. But if you were to take out something we call neurons and neurons are brain cells that make up the brain. So again, neurons are the brain cells that make up the brain. So if you were to take out one of those neurons and look at it underneath the microscope to see what learning is on a cellular and molecular level, you're looking at the neurons ability to grow and to make connections with the other neurons. So again, if you were to take a neuron out of the brain and look at it underneath the microscope, you're going to look at the and, and, and understand what learning is on a cellular level, you're going to see the neurons ability to grow and make connections. Well, then you ask yourself, genes give us the architecture of the brain, how what lobes we're going to have, right? 
but DNA does not define how we process information, right? So again, going back to this neuron and what it looks like underneath the microscope when we're talking about learning, when we talk about brain-based practices, we're intentionally inviting the neuron to grow and make connections. And that's done by extrinsic environmental factors, such as um, the work that Bukowski's theory, um, educators know about this um, theory, when he talks about um, in the environment, basically uh, allows the children to grow and make cognitive development. So again, when we talk about brain pace practices, we're taking it a step farther of what Vikowski's theory is, and we're actually intentionally growing the neuron and allowing the neuron to make network connections. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that kind of answered my next question, because, you know, if you're an educator, everyone knows about Vikowski and, and working within a student's zone of proximal development. And so as I'm kind of hearing you talk about the brain piece, it kind of makes sense now of working within that student zone because we don't want to stretch them too far. We want to help them to develop over time. So I, I really appreciate that breakdown. And so I'm hoping that that explanation on the scientific level kind of helps us as educators kind of shape our practices when we are working with students. And now, why are these practices really essential in supporting student learning? So it's extremely essential because um, sometimes we allow with traditional um, norms of practices. Um, and let me take it a step, a step back. When you look at technology, right, um, you can see just within the span of 20 years how the iPhone has adapted, right? It right. was this bot when it first came out, it was super boxy. It was all glass. You could not drop that iPhone. And <laughs> now it's adapted to where you can do all these cool features. Like you don't even really need a camera because the 13 takes these magnificent photos. You can do FaceTime. It's adapted over time. So we have to look at education the same way and talking about that environmental pieces. We have to cater to the needs of the times with technology, but then we also have to make sure our educational practices are becoming more innovative. So with this, uh, with brain-based practices, the main thing that it helps to address is cultural diversity and cultural inclusivity, making sure that it adapts to all learning styles and that it's innovative, causing the scholar not just to understand concept of what's four times four, but it's taking the four times four and how did, how is it applicable to making it manifest in society, creating solutions and solving problems. Wow. Now, you are the co-founder of Neuro Advanced Academics Incorporated. So share with us uh, more about um, the educational firm and how it came about. So um, going back to uh, Bukowski's theory, remember he stated that um, he talks about how language begins um, at birth, right? And so under, with my neuroscience or scientist background, I knew that inside of the uterus, when the child is in birth, your brain already begins to develop around five months, right? The brain is developed. That means if it's developing, it can learn, right? Because it has those neurons. Right. So um, with that understanding, I, I had a theory. And so um, with my, my daughter, I was like, I'm going to test it out, right? With my daughter as the scientist in me, right? And so when she was, when I was pregnant, 
I begin doing certain brain-based practices in order to stimulate those neurons in birth. And so once I began to teach her at six months, she was identifying letters and sounds at wow. six months. And so what happened was um, I then began to say, well, it's a need for this in the community, right? It's a need to begin to um, offer these um, practices to the community. And so that's how neuro advanced academics began. Um, a lot of parents were fascinated, like, oh my goodness, how do I begin teaching my child? How do I? And a lot of this, a lot of the practices that we use were very non-traditional. Like I don't teach um, my clients or neither did I teach my daughter the alphabet song. Because really what we, why do we teach? Why do we want them to learn the alphabet and sounds? Because they can learn, so they can learn how to read and they can learn the language. So it didn't go in in order A, B, C, D. It was randomly with the sounds and letters. And then we taught them merging it together. Um, these letters can form words. And so um, a lot of the parents were fascinated. And again, um, we begin to get word of mouth clients coming in. And then we begin to add on to the program. So I read an article, can five-year-olds learn about calculus? And so I ran a pilot program where we taught three to five-year-olds calculus and wow. every dollar that we had to, that went through the program were tested into gifted in or recommended into gifted in kindergarten. So it, it also speaks to learn. We have to take the limits off of learning mm. the brain and connections are, we have the most, um, neuroplasticity from zero to three years old so why not make those major connections and pour and teach them the understanding of knowledge at from zero to three so that they can flourish and we need this because our society is changing with the times going back to the iphone example with technology yeah so what i heard from that is that we need to get our early childhood together yeah. and not put so many limitations I, I, yeah because i'm just thinking about just uh some of the uh, the things that we i see when i'm in early childhood like pre-k and kinder um age groups and i feel like sometimes teachers limit themselves on what they can do with students um at that age because they feel like they aren't able or they may be too young so just thinking about like when the pandemic hit and maybe a lot of those classrooms weren't filled with technology and um when they had to get it now you know you're your uh, early childhood students have to learn how to type in their email address. And that may have been a challenge. And we thought that, oh, this is just too much. This is too hard. But, you know, to your point, we have to take that limitation off. So I love, and, and that goes for any, um, actually, content area or student uh, K-12. You know, we have to stop limiting what we think that they can do and give them opportunity to show and, and also get uncomfortable with ourselves to uh, immerse ourselves into that opportunity for our students. So I love that. I love it. And so what um, services do you guys provide for educators? So I'm glad that you said the uh, pandemic, you spoke on the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, we knew that with NeuroAdvanced Academics, we wanted to reach more people. So our program has always been virtual. So when the pandemic hit, it was nothing for us to say. We then began to say, okay, this is how you can successfully educate scholars virtually. It can work. <laughs> it takes work like you spoke just um, a few minutes ago, but it does work. 
So just us being ahead of the curve um, prior to the pandemic and really getting down to the core of how to educate students virtually really spoke volumes to our program. So one thing we do is we offer um, not only uh, helping brain-based practices or strategies with starting from six months to 16 years old, but we offer classes for parents. So we teach parents how to teach your child or the language that your child's brain communicates as. So basically what we do is we figure out what language your child speaks. So for instance, with our older group, um, some of them um, come because either A, they're not being challenged or B, they're trying to figure out what's going, why can I, they not make the connection in the classroom or they're struggling or have challenges in the classroom, right? So what we do is we figure out how does that child's brain communicate? If we figure out how the child's brain communicates that wavelength that it communicates on, then we can unlock any type of challenges that they have. So we do um, an assessment. We run a brain-based assessment with the older group. When I say the older group, that's anyone um, uh, that's older than six years old, um, six to 16 years old. We run an assessment on them. And then from the assessment, we figure out the basically the language or the wavelength that their child's um, brain communicates on. And when I say we have had students that were struggling in whatever content that you spoke to, once we figure out how their child's brain communicate, I mean, they go from D's, F's to A's, B's. It's like, <laughs> it's amazing. And so for the younger um, population from the six months to the five years old, we basically um, teach them how to learn, right? We teach them how to learn and we do advanced practices with them um, so that they can be ahead of the game. Wow, that's amazing. So what advice would you give educators to, to leverage technology with brain-based practices to help them with designing, I guess, impactful lessons or helping them just promote academic performance? So um, one of the things with technology is one, like you said, not being afraid of it um, and not being afraid to think outside of the box. Um, so one of the things you can do with technology is allow um a certain device, electronic devices into the learning space and allow them to strategically, I like um, one thing we do is like brain tracking. So it's following a dot from here to here to here and that's increasing the synaptic growth within the scholars. So just um, simple things such as just incorporating um, electronic devices to basically um, do things that will grow the neuron is perfect. Um, luminosity, incorporating that into the classroom, um, such things like that is definitely it, it, extremely helpful when we talk about brain-based learning practices inside the classroom in combination with technology. Wow, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and move to our next segment of the show, which I like to call Get Your Tech Together. And so in this segment, I want you to share some kind of elaborate to what you were just speaking to, um, what are some specific ways that technology can be used to support brain-based practices? So one, um, the biggest thing that can drive, that can drive brain-based practicing and using technology in the classroom is making sure that it's, it's culturally based, meaning that students are allowed to make a connection with their community. Two, it's growing the actual 
the neuron and then three making sure that it is um stem stimulated stem stimulated um and so how do we do that what are some examples so one virtual reality vr headsets um these are perfect because it allows the neurons to discover a whole new world it sparks creativity imagination innovation but it also drives standardized testing in singapore there was a research study that came out that said that when they used a traditional a teaching for astrophysics and this is high school students um students on their first exam scored uh 70 was like the average but when they taught astrophysics with incorporating virtual reality headsets into the lesson the average score was a 90 on the test that's a significant wow. difference um so not being afraid to actually infuse virtual reality headsets um into the lessons um will help with brain-based practices and then also stem it's regulated by stem um also another thing is allowing students to make connections with the technology so for instance we just did a project one of the things in philadelphia is that's plaguing the community is gun violence so the students had to uh learn the engineering processes of how to build drones but then it takes a step step farther how do we use oh. these drones to address gun violence so the students built the drones with cameras and then they came up with the strategies that said hey we can use these drones to go to the scene of the crime first or we can use the cycle um psychology approach to if they know that in the high impact crime areas that these drones are constantly used as surveillance that will help to decrease crime and then also the drones can be used to assess the gunshot wounds or the stab wounds of the um unfortunate victims um and that can help probably to prevent or save a life so things like that where we're making sure that the technology has a purpose and the purpose is how can this technology be used to solve a problem in the community and then that's also right along with brain-based learning so tell us more about how you use these vr headsets in the classroom so the uh, VR headsets that we actually use are Advantis. And what I love about Advantis is the fact that you can make your own virtual reality lessons. Um, so they have some pre-programmed in there or you can make your own. So you can do it two ways. One, if you are discussing, so with the um, two things. So in one of the STEM courses, we actually uh, build wheelchairs. Um, and so, but we built them for Kenya um for an orphanage in kenya and so for the students to really see the the terrain in kenya because we, they couldn't make the wheelchairs like here in the united states because the terrain the pavement the roads are totally different so for the students to actually see that um we actually put them in the streets of kenya with the vr headsets and we did something similar where they were building the drones where they could build the drones in virtual reality, the prototype, and then they took that prototype and they actually built it in real life. Another way you can do that is if you're teaching a lesson in photosynthesis, um, you can actually teach about photosynthesis, but then actually they can see the process of photosynthesis inside of the virtual reality headsets with the exchange of oxygen, carbon dioxide, how it goes into the Krebs cycle. Like, the whole process you can see that in the virtual reality headsets and then you can have them to take notes on it 
Um, also, if you're using instead of the traditional microscope, you can actually put um, the cell, uh, the slides inside of the actual um, headsets and then have the students to do their labs to go along with it. So what I really like about the VR headsets, what we've been talking about all day is diversity. It's very diverse and it can grow. You can take it really small or you can make it really big. And that's another reason why I love the VR headsets because it's so diverse in what you can do and how you can incorporate it into the lesson. So as long as you pull yourself or if you don't feel like stretching, stretching yourself, um, the VR headsets can cater to that. And so what about like for a teacher that's trying to plan the lesson? Like, what does that look like for trying to create uh, an experience for students? So it depends on what the um, lesson is about. So um, so we can start. So pick a, a pick a topic. So yeah, pick a topic. And we'll I mean, we can go back to photosynthesis. OK, so if we were um, if we were talking about photosynthesis and I, I wanted them to per uh, particularly just understand the formula of carbon dioxide plus water um, in sunlight and then how it changes into we get the glucose out of it and um, oxygen. If I wanted them to understand that if that's all we were teaching about is just understanding the formula and how it works, I would provide them a I would actually incorporate that into the virtual reality headsets where they would have to follow a, a, around the molecule, right? So, and then from after they take off the VR headsets from following the oxygen and carbon dioxide molecule, then they would have to come and do their, their note um, within their notebook and then answer questions, do an assessment on that. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, you definitely have shared some powerful insight um, for a lot of us here today. So I just want to just thank you for kind of diving in deep with us. And, and you know, I'm still amazed about even the, the VR headset component. And I'm just thinking like, I have a, a festival that's coming up and I wish I would have kind of included that part in. We have a little bit of augmented reality in, but I personally have not tried the VR headsets. Is that oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the best lesson ever like it's when you incorporate those vr headsets because again we have to go with the times right we, we have to be able to teach them because our economy is being driven by technology it's being driven by stem so why not put our students on a greater platform or leverage if we're teaching according to what their world is really what their world is and so right. when you infuse those virtual reality headsets, so think about it. If we're teaching a basic chemistry lesson, right? We're not able to move that atom around, right? So a right. lot of students get or organic chemistry. They get stuck with that two-dimensional when that element it is not two-dimensional. But when mm -hmm. you put it inside, you teach a lesson, keeping the traditional norms, and then you incorporate the VR headsets. The students are able to rotate. They're able to see how they can come together to form a bond and then make a product, which is going back to community. How can this product help our community or help our society? Love that. I love that. And so um, before we end the show, I definitely want you to leave us with your top three tips just to think about brain based practices and how we can enhance um, our student performance with them. And so if you can leave us with your top three, that would be great top so um the first one would be make sure that you are are intentional about growing and stimulating the neuron 
don't and not to be repetitive because think about it when you drive home you don't think about how do i get home unless there's traffic you don't think about how to get home it's on autopilot so if you're doing repetitive the same thing over and over again it's not stimulating the neuron so allow yourself to be flexible in your teaching practices to think about how you can intentionally excite that neuron to grow and make connections because that's the essence of learning. Step two is making sure that your um, lessons have a purpose so that the students can see how the technology is applicable to solving problems in their community, not just locally, but globally, because that's what's driving the economy. And then making sure that you combine the two of STEM technology oh, and brain-based learning, and you're making sure that it's culturally inclusive and STEM driven, because that's what's going to also drive standardized testing and improve student outcomes. And also close the gap in underrepresented communities. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely uh, passionate about because we want to set all students to be able to compete in our economy and be able to flourish and definitely close that gap in STEM with representation. And so um, a lot of what you said, I think is really important because I think that could be uh, a supporting factor to kind of helping close that gap in starting early and um, helping students to progress um, and develop um, within their own space, not really limiting what they can or cannot do. And so thank you so much, Shirley, for joining me today. I, I really appreciate um, all the knowledge you shared with us. And so before you go, if you could just share um, with everyone how they can connect with you and be a part of your learning network and grow um, from you like we have today. Yes, thank you. So thank you so much, um, Dr. Mack, for this amazing opportunity and for this platform. Um, if you would like to connect with me, you can connect with me at sposy at mhotepcharter.org. Again, that is sposy, S-P-O-S-E-Y at mhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, um, charter.org. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at Shirley L. Posey. Um, that's Shirley, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y-E-L-L-E-P-O-S-E-Y. And that's the same thing for Facebook, Shirley L. Posey. And that's the same thing for LinkedIn, Shirley L. Posey. So I can be reached on all three um, platforms with Shirley L. Posey. Or you can con um, connect with me um, in with my email at sposey at mhotepcharter.org. All right. Well, Thank you for joining us today. And like I always like to say, tech may not always be easy, but it sure is fun. Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology. Be sure to connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know tech may not always be easy, but it sure is fun.